Welcome to the Born and Raised Audio Experience. Presented by Onyx. What's up, podcast listeners? Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of the Born and Raised Audio Experience. Pretty stoked to share with you our beers with bro. And what it was during COVID and all the quarantine time, we got on YouTube, did some YouTube lives with some family and friends, took some questions from the audience. So it's a bunch of Q&A, but all in all, just a fun time hanging out and talking elk hunting, talking the outdoors, anything and everything. So we got about six episodes for you coming at you and uh, just really excited to share these with you. Want to thank again Onyx Hunt for bringing this podcast to you. If you guys have not yet downloaded that app, go ahead and do so. Use promo code BRO at checkout, save yourself 20%, and get ready to navigate in the backcountry with your phone, GPS in hand. Pretty awesome system, and uh, highly encourage you to go check it out if you haven't. So with that, sit back, relax, and enjoy. Uh, Steve, are, are we live? We're, we are barn burning six seconds into it. Boom. <laughs> Steve, are you are you on quarantine and who cut your hair? First two questions. First two questions. My neckline and she was like two gin and tonics deep. So it's like literally at a 45 degree angle. I love awesome. it. I love <laughs> it. It looks like an incredible it looks fade. Good. Incredible fade. Go I did the old uh, <laughs> two all the way around today. <laughs> Nice. Uh, it was getting pretty long, and I, I thought I'd play a joke on my daughter, and I literally just shaved the top and left the, the sides out, but I she was gone, and I literally had to, I couldn't let it last. Like, it was so bad. <laughs> uh, I don't know if we lost Trevor or I don't know. On? Yeah, it's, it's yeah, he's oh, it's Trevor. Yep. Back. That looks like Crater Lake, if I've ever seen it, and I'd love. Can to you hear me now? Away. Yeah. Yeah, he's back. <laughs> yep. yep. Steve Arena, how you doing, man? Good. I'm good, man. I'm good. Oh, this is a new wrong one. <laughs> there he is. Good <laughs> and good. So, Steve, you had a bear tag in Oregon. Yeah. Can I still hunt there? Or is that shut down Absolutely yet? Or? Absolutely they, not. I think they just shut it down Friday. Yeah, it's last Friday. It's closed. As of as of yeah, I we there's still a glimmer of hope. I would say mid, mid May fifteenth on. I think we might have a shot at it. Open up. Did they shut it down yeah. for you guys or just non-residents? Just non-residents. Just non-residents. Just outsiders. Just for you. Pretty much <laughs> just for you. Uh, let's let's kick this off. Idaho shut it down, but they only shut down the ability to purchase. Like so, if you've already bought the tag tag and license, you could go hunt. Um, Huh. Uh, yeah. Interesting. So, what are we all drinking? It's beers with bros. Uh, oh, first, let's beer, introduce Steve. Hold on, Trevor. You don't have to have beer. You don't have to have anything. I'm drinking ice water. Not true. No. Um, Not true. And, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, yeah. You, Steve, go ahead. What do you got? Uh, Irish that dark uh, port, dark smooth ale. Pretty delicious. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah. Trevor, not not a Coors Light kind of guy. I'm He's trying to watch. I'm trying to watch my carbs, so I'm yeah. going 
mango truly. Oh, oh god. <laughs> yeah, it's my favorite fruit. That's why I'm on it. Of course it is. Cody. Uh little knob creek old fashioned. The uh, yeah. Pretty wow. pretty good. Wow. Take your head off. Uh Steve Steve Arino. We know what Steve's drinking. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That, always. Okay. Well, now let's proceed with the uh, the conversation. Um, no, Steve, it's awesome to have you on uh, today. And um, let's talk about packs. Let's talk about what we're doing in the future. Let's talk about uh, a lot of stuff um, as far as that goes. And and we made a pack with you as far as the the forty eight hundred. It's it's been awesome. Uh, what's your feedback been on on our pack that we made? Because you 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 went into pack sales and and then we kind of got with you and said this is kind of what we want. What has been the feedback on what we've taken the the path of as far as from what was what was your general idea? Uh, yeah, feedback's been awesome. Uh, I mean, people really enjoy the pocket layout on that. It's it's super functional. It's something that. Uh, it's a little bit heavier than, than our normal layout by just a few ounces. So you're not talking much, um, but something we always avoided kind of adding more zippered pockets to the side. Um, but having your guys' layout on there, it's great. The extra pocket on the inside. Uh, I mean, it's not drastic change from our, our standard 4,800, but the, the nice little tweaks, I think fit your guys' style. Uh, you know, it's less mule deer where it's always fine scope and tripod and, and more elk hunting. So it, I think it fits really well with what you guys do. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, this, guys, you're going to be able to weigh in with your questions. So obviously, Steve Speck from Exo Mountain. Anyway, the packs that we've ran for how long? Cody? Steve? Uh, well, we we actually got the – remember when we broke into Lenny's Forerunner at uh, 2 in the morning? Yeah. Driving yeah. to Colorado. <laughs> 20, yeah, 2013. Yeah. Yeah, we just we just did a podcast. We recorded like a month or two ago, but it just released yesterday on on Exo Origins, and that part of the story came up where you guys were rolling through town at two in the morning and pulled five packs out of the back of Lenny's Forerunner that you had never seen before and took them to Colorado. And uh, yeah, it was a fun part of the history of everything. Yeah, for sure. I remember that. Um, a little bit of a trust on your guys' part and us to take a brand new pack on, <laughs> on an elk on our skate. <laughs> well, I remember that that outside shell material, it was so, it's stretchy, right? And so we're like, is this going to rip or is it going to be yeah. tough? Or, uh, <laughs> and of course, you guys, I mean, yeah, that, you guys put some holes in that and then we ended up beefing it up like <laughs> Frankie for one of the reasons. So we did. Yeah. yeah. No. Uh, I think I think one thing I want to kind of start at, like Steve. So our our beers of born and raised is like the unformal behind the scenes. You know, uh, it's definitely more relaxed and everything else. I want to ask you so far, what has your favorite memory been while hunting, shooting, do, spending time with born and raised outdoors? And this can be, yeah. I mean, this is beers of born and raised. So favorite memory, man. Um... I, you know, probably, gosh, I, I want to default to Colorado, just that entire trip. I mean, it was the first time we'd ever, you know, you and I had hunted blacktail together a little bit um, and obviously become really good friends. But that was our first ever, like, hey, we're going on seven-day hunt together. And that trip was so much fun. Um, 
and then we sure had a lot of fun in Idaho in 2018. Yeah, that was yeah, a blast. It, oh. um, blast. Yeah, I think probably my I don't I'm not good at like remembering certain little events, but I think just as a whole, I know with you guys like uh, my our group of Pure Elevation Productions, Lenny Tyler and Jason, we're all fairly serious, and you guys are you guys hunt hard, but you also have, you have a really damn good time. Um, and that's something that I were like, we took, we all took away from that was, you know, it's, we're here to have a lot of fun as well as, you know, kill elk. Um, so that both the trips we've done with you guys is we just have so much fun. Your, your, uh, ribs are sore every day cause you're laughing so hard the day prior. <laughs> man, man stuff as Trent likes to say, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to get, that's on my note schedule, Cody. Yeah. Let's just take it. Sorry. Yeah, no, the, it's, it's, yeah, I, man, it's been so awesome hunting with you guys. And I don't know, I think me and, and Spec have a different connection as far as we are totally opposite. All right. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, I mean, it's just like the, the lightest weight guy that you can ever think of. And then the most, probably heaviest weight guy that you can ever think of in the, in the wrong spectrum. But um, I've, I've helped you out on a lot of different hunts. We won't talk about that. It's okay. I mean, if, you know, it is what it is, but it is what it is, but it, it's just, it's just been so much fun on different, different, different hunts. That is a fact. What, what was the oh, name? I, I can picture uh, Bruce, right? All right. Yeah. Remember What's Mary that? Poppins, Mary Poppins. Dude, that's that's what I was gonna remember. Like, all I can ever think about when I think of Trent and his pack is the guy from Mary Poppins dancing on the street with just crap hanging everywhere. <laughs> I one of my one of my favorite memories of the, the of the all the hunts together. We went into a spot where we didn't see squat, and anyway, and I think that's a lot of our whole deal is like we'll go into a place for a day. If we don't see anything, we'll back out. So we went into a place for a day, and we're like, well, let's just you know, let's do some let's do some videoing at least, you know, of us climbing out of this horrible precipice. Remember that canyon that we climbed out of? Oh yeah, in Colorado. Was, oh yeah, and you were fixing my pack like you were like a monkey. Like a monkey, that just you know, that's like grabbing at the little monkey and eating, eating. It was just yeah. Anyway, I had I had stuff everywhere, but yeah, uh, yeah. That drives me nuts. You know, pack all sloppy and straps hanging everywhere. Oh, it drives you nuts. It drives you nuts. Um, so anyway, so during this whole thing, guys, that uh, you're kind of jumping in with us as we're going and everything if you have if you have questions for steve if you have questions about exo or something like that uh put them into the comments and then we're going to try to answer them as we go through this whole live interview um forum hey, steve steve have you uh dove into bear or turkey hunting over there in idaho or we just opened Wednesday, and no, I have not been out yet. So I don't do much turkey. I'll definitely get out for a few bear trips. Uh, but yeah, we just opened. Usually I wait till later in April, early May to kind of get too serious about it. Just wait for yeah. the snow to burn up a little. Yeah. I think yeah. a lot of people were anticipating that here, and then they got closed. So. 
that's the big scares. Do you go early when it's not ideal or do you wait and roll the dice? Yeah. I ended up having to man. Yeah. Just got back from Hell's Canyon and that was a it was a great trip. Bear hunting was not great, but it was a great trip. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we got some questions here popping in. Let's see here. Um, Aiden F actually asked, are you guys going to do some turkey hunting videos soon? Code? I'm, I'm all in on that. All <laughs> I've got the bug. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty stinking fun. So uh, I'd like to. Yeah. Oh boy. Trent, what's your nickname? Because you, you call like herds of ducks and geese. What's your like what are your nicknames for turkeys? Uh you know, I don't know. Garden chickens or <laughs> is it called a ga a gaggle or I, I I don't know. I don't have anything off the top of my head. I'm sure if I thought about it, it would be something probably inappropriate. So I, I yeah, I have no idea. No idea. Yeah, skunk chicken. I have no clue. Yeah, uh, <laughs> they heard. Um, Spec, here's one for you from uh, DKXPN zero. Hmm. Pretty uh, cryptic name there. What separates you from Kafaru and Sitka? Wow, we're just uh, ooh, right for the wow. throat. Right hey, for the, yeah. <laughs> um, Sitka. Yeah, I mean, I'm to be honest with you, I don't, they don't really have a pack that's going to kind of compete at the level that that we're you know performance wise. Um, strap you know 100 pounds on it and go hike you know through the mountains. You're not going to see that same performance. Kafara makes a great pack. I mean, they're very very different than us, um, just from top to bottom. So to me, it's put a pack on. Uh, you know, this is tough for guys to do, um, but throw a pack like you need to have two packs set up identically side by side. Throw 80 pounds in them. Go for a hike and, and see which one feels more comfortable for you. At the end of the day, to us, the frame is everything. Like if it's not comfortable to wear, we really could care less what pocket configuration it has or how it carries your weapon. Uh, you know, 99% of the time it's on your back and it needs to be comfortable. So that's the first priority, making sure that it fits you. Within EXO, we have lots of adjustments, you know, the three different belt sizes and the micro adjust belts and two different uh, frame heights and then the frame can be adjusted. Uh, a lot of stuff we added in the K3 to, you can really dive in and, and get a proper fit with the pack. And, and that's everything. Like I said, it's everything. How you carry the meat, where you put your gear, who cares if it's not comfortable. Um, and then if, you know, if both are equally comfortable to you, uh, then yeah, then you can start diving into the features that it has. And, and that's where we really get different. Um, you know, we're gonna be a little bit more, um, streamlined i'd say the pockets are kind of built into the bag they're going to have more uh like uh, a basic bag with with kind of pockets that you would add on to it so a little bit more customizable at the uh at the cost of being more complex where we're going to be a little bit more simple um, yeah whoa i was thinking about memories um i would have to say one of the craziest slash borderline irresponsible ones was when you double hammed and head in Colorado with camp in that blowdown. <laughs> yeah. It was like, I don't know how heavy that pack was, but I was just was scared to death of uh, you taking a tumble over some of that blowdown with uh, how much weight <laughs> on your back. 
Gosh, yeah, I don't know. Trevor Pulsey like, was yeah, It was probably one twenty, I would say. At yeah. least. At least. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, and wanted to see how it performed. So I had no idea that the the video would, you know, at the time we were filming it, I had no idea that it'd make the video. It wasn't doing it to like, you know, to be for showy purposes. It was purely like, hey guys, I just want to check this out and do it. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, I tried to cut all that out, Steve. I tried, but it, <laughs> it, it, it was pretty. Got a question. Something pretty impressive. Something impressive that I don't think we've ever really talked about before. We we've been using this pack for seven years now, something like that, seven or eight years. And of all of us using it every single year, never one buckle broken, never torn a zipper, never ripped a pack, never broken any belt. I mean it's pretty unbelievable from all the hard use we put these packs through every year and to never have a failure. It's pretty impressive, Steve. So, yeah, I mean, we, pretty you sure. know, it's a tough, it's a tough balance to, to set, like to weigh, you know, we're obviously focused on the opposite of Trent of being lightweight. Um, but we are, you know, guys question durability and it's like, as a company, we're putting a lifetime warranty on this. We have no desire to, to send something out to you that's going to break in a year or two, right? Um, so we're as light as we can pretty much possibly be while still being a pack that you can beat the crap out of for five to ten years and have zero issues. So My whole my, – my thing on the pack is just the mind frame of, like, going into it because, honestly, like, going into it, I'm a pockets guy. I like to have this over here and I like to have that over there and I like to know where everything's at. And then after kind of you and Cody taught me a lot about like, okay, here's the deal. You know, you take down your camp, shove it right in the bottom of your pack. And I'm thinking, hold on, hold on. I need to have some kind of a compartment that stores this. I need to have something that stores this. But when you look at a pack configuration, it's, you know, it's this whole deal and it's like oh wow it packs so much lighter so much better i got rid of a lot of different weight and uh regretfully i'm gonna say this i learned that from you guys <laughs> and, uh, it, it's uh it's amazing how much stuff that you don't have to live with right yeah yeah i think you guys would be surprised um just how, yeah, backpacking is not this overly complicated thing. I mean, the, the difference for me to go backpacking or day hunting is like six pounds. It's, it's, it's a lightweight baby sack, a tarp, a sleeping bag, and a yeah. bag. And like everything else is with me all the time. So uh, guys get hung up on the backpacking is this big obstacle and you got to buy all this gear. It's really not the case. You can do it very simply um, and efficiently. And unfortunately, it just takes some, so there's a learning curve to it. And you just got to get out there and start doing it. And over a couple of seasons, you'll, you'll get dialed in pretty quick. Do you have some numbers, Steve, for guys like on a three day, five day, seven day hunt, like weight wise, uh, um, what they should be shooting for, for uh, overall pack or maybe meal weight, those sort of things? Yeah, we, we talk about this uh, on our Hunt Backcountry podcast quite often. Um, we basically have what we call our base weight, right, which is like all the gear that's with you, no matter if it's a one-night or a seven-day hunt. And then from there, it's water and food and depending on weather, clothes, right? So it's a pretty simple formulation. Um, 
I think your base weight, uh, you shouldn't be over 25 pounds of kind of, that's like everything you could think of outside of food, water, and optics, optics tripod. If you're over that, you probably should be looking into, you know, uh, where you can cut weight. You're probably packing too much stuff. Um, but that's, and then it's really simple if it's, you know, you're, you can just throw a one and a half pounds of food per day. It's kind of a high number. If you're, if you're packing more than that, you need to really take a look at it. Um, but if you just throw one and a half pounds times, you know, five days or whatever, so you're seven and a half pounds of food, uh, your weapon, your water, uh, that's all, you know, the water fluctuates constantly. Um, so it, you could have, you know, 10 ounces or, or eight pounds of water in your pack, depending on where you're at. So, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I'd say, I'd say your base gear, 25 pounds and then add on food, water, weapon and optics. You know, some guys go crazy with optics of tripods, fine scope, 18 by 56 is that are going to tripod mount up and their vitals around their chest. I mean, you'd all of a sudden have 10 to 15 pounds of optics on you. So that, you know, you can start guys talk about going in for a seven day hunt with a 70 pound pack and you're like, holy crap. But you start, they're packing optics. That's their gun. That's the pack full of water. That stuff adds up pretty quick. But I think it's just, just look at that base weight. And, yeah. 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 That was, there's a question here from Tim McClare and he, he asks, he goes, uh, thoughts on binoculars versus spotting scope. Uh, can you use just binoculars or is it worth getting a spotting scope? This guy lives in Western Oregon, hunting Cascades there. Um, That's a good question. Yeah. We had that same problem this year, Cody, when we went to Colorado Rifle Elk. We kind of thought, well, okay, we're carrying tripods so we can glass off of them. So now you have six, seven pounds of tripod. Uh, should we add the spotting scope? or we're looking for an elk that needs to be legal, chances are we're gonna need to get closer. But then we ended up seeing those elk that were two miles away and we wished we had a spotting scope and we left it in the truck. Um, there was three of us going, dang it. Uh, I wish one of us had sacrificed and taken it. We thought we had seen a, maybe a spike or something and we needed it to, to be at least a four point and turns out it was a nice five point and it looked like a spike. <laughs> Yeah. So. Yeah, I think. I mean, I would say my experience in in Oregon or Western Oregon, binoculars are going to suffice most of the time. Uh, I would agree. Yeah. But, agree. Unless yeah, you're I, looking for deer. Yep. yep. Yeah. Steve, do you spat? Do you pack a uh, spotting scope during elk season or just deer hunting? Uh, very rarely am I going to pack a spine scope in elk season. It, it'd have to be a certain hunt that's open country and, and I was looking for a big bull, but that's not, you know, can't really count too many times that's happened. Uh, so yeah, elk hunting, just binos around my neck, mule deer hunting. I, my current system is some 10 by 42, uh, Swaro SLCs are my favorite bino of all time. Uh, so I love to put those on a tripod and do 95% of my glassing with the binoculars on a tripod. And then if I find something, I've got a lightweight uh, 55 millimeter spine scope that I can then zoom in on. Uh, and like, you know, basically the only scenario that is, is like mule deer hunting, you know, and, and see a buck and get a better idea of what he is. Um, for, you know, I've got like Jason, uh, Jason Wright, that we've all hunted with, um, you know, he's more into score than I am. So he's going to pack a better, bigger spine scope to 
to get an idea if a buck's 170 or 178, you know, from four miles away. <laughs> that's not a concern to me, right? It's just like, hey, great frame, I'm going that way. Um, I love, that's where I love hunting with Steve yeah. because it, when it comes in, I look at Steve and he goes, uh, yeah, it's going to die. Knock an arrow. It's going <laughs> to die. And he's yeah. shooting it. It does not matter. And that's what, one, oh man, one huge part that I love hunting with Steve. <laughs> I am uh, all, all about the elk meat first, man. That's for damn sure. I could care less about the horns. 100%. Uh, I like this question from William. It says, which BRO boy can carry the most meat, and which one of you would win, win a bro round robin wrestling tournament? Whoa. 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 <laughs> Next level. Really uh, took a turn. Yeah, it did. It did. Well, Trevor, uh, I'm going to run the bus over you and say that you are the guy that's going to carry the least amount of meat, except, they, except they, in Colorado last year, it was the most impressive pack out I've ever witnessed <laughs> all time, all time. He's, he's talking, he's talking oh. shit, and then I packed the most <laughs> of the whole year last year. Are you kidding me? You getting this back? You know how many bulls you killed? And it's like, I'll take the tenderloins here. My back, my back. Oh, I've done a lot of packs for Trevor in the past. All of us. Uh, 100%. All of us have for Trevor. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, I, I don't think there's a correct question or a correct answer for any of that. It's everybody, you know, some on a long hunt, you know, say it's a, uh, 10 day hunt or whatnot, you know, people's feet get screwed up. People's backs get screwed up. I mean, there's a lot, well, there's a lot that goes into it and everybody carries the weight for everybody else. 100%. Uh, Christopher Cargill at, Oh, we didn't talk about the wrestling tournament. Who would win the wrestling tournament? Probably Steve. He's a, he's a wiry sucker. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think he'd surprise you. <laughs> um, I love it. Christopher Cargill asks, he goes, I have a question for the group. How do you suggest selecting backcountry gear? You go super light or just get in better shape and carry a heavier pack? Bingos. Oh, here we go. Here we go. We're going to do this. We're going to mix it. mixture. do this. <laughs> we. We span the gauntlet there, don't we? Yes, we uh, do. We really uh, do. Steve and I hired a personal trainer to help us and took altitude training and all sorts of stuff. Uh, Trent, I'm pretty sure, uh, put his pack on the day before season and said, uh, glad my boots still fit. <laughs> and, and Cody, he he does some running and, and that sort of stuff. So I don't it's all around the gamut. It's, it's all yeah. around the gamut. I mean, honestly, like, uh, honestly, I mean, if you want to talk about death hike stuff and everything, and and I'll be honest, you guys, you know, it's, you know, we all think we're awesome and everything. And then you get on these, one of these death hike things, and it's a whole different story. And I'm, you know, I'll back out 110% and say, yeah, Cody and Speck. And Speck, you guys can have Yeah. Yeah. You guys can have that. Uh, <laughs> My my mind is on you know trying to you know get meat for the family or whatnot, but yeah, you guys are animals, and I, I don't I, I don't think there's a lot of competition with us from that. Speck, are you going to try to do that again this this year? 
Uh, we had it scheduled for um, back in uh, into March and had to cancel it, obviously, with all this crap going on. So we talked yeah. about pushing it to May, but we were going to do it um, like a three-day thing on snowshoes and try to kill some wolves in the process. But, yeah, we, we canceled it. Cool. We'll hopefully uh, get it going again here in May if things calm down. We'll see. But um, to answer the guy's question, just from my point of view, pack weight is pack weight is pack weight. It doesn't matter what your body weight is. It doesn't matter what shape you are in. Um, you know, it's important uh, that weight wears down on you all day long. So you are burning extra energy at the end of the day. Um, how important that is, you know, I, I, you could easily argue hunting slower and hunting smarter kills more elk. Uh, if you're just in shape and you're running up the mountain, you're probably running by elk. So for me personally, I just, the more in shape I am, the lighter my pack is, uh, the, like the more spring I have in my step and, and the more I want to keep going and, and, and hunt hard, you know, um, versus just being like lazy and, you know, but sometimes lazy pays off sometimes sitting on your ass, you know, uh, taking a shot of whiskey and eating a sandwich, all of a sudden elk walks by and you kill one. So yeah, I uh, get at the end of the day, being, being a good I'm hunter. Is, is, I'm the one that packed that whiskey for you. Can you explain the pros and cons of the waterproof insert versus an external rain fly on the pack? Uh, I don't know. You guys are you guys are rain coast guys. You tell me. Yeah. Uh, here's the deal, Spec, and I, I think that we should make this known to everybody. Honestly, is I'm hoping this year to go to Alaska to hunt a tag and I need a rain fly. Oh. <laughs> okay, well, that's the answer to that question. But at the same time is, uh, yeah. So honest, I, I think the terrain, I think if you grew up where we did, I, I think that it would be a different scenario because honestly it gets warm uh, you know, about that 11.30 to you know mid afternoon, but that marine layer, blows in and anyway it's wet as heck going through brush here um anyway talk to me talk to me give me a give me a something <laughs> yeah my art, i mean we've you know i've had rain covers used them in the past uh i would think in the brushy country you guys go through it's just getting snagged on stuff and wanting to rip uh and the wind it just flapping in the wind uh and it doesn't guarantee that stuff that stuff stays dry inside so on your alaska your hunt that you're talking about doing um, if you're backpacking in there for, you know, 10 days or whatever it is, you're getting dropped off by plane, you like cross a Creek and fall in, you know, you're fucked, man. Your sleeping bag, everything's wet. Uh, cause you had a rain cover on your pack. Uh, where if you take the dry bag system, everything's in there. You could go for a freaking swim in the lake. And when you come across the other side, everything's dry and you're safe and everything's good. And the, and the weight penalty is, is a couple ounces. So, uh, for the guy to argue the rain cover is a better system all he cares about is that his the fabric the shell fabric gets wet and to me that's uh silly like who, who cares if the, if the outside of the pack gets a little wet it'll dry out eventually what matters is your clothes and your sleeping bag everything inside stays dry argument continues spec <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, got a we got a uh, question for you here from Jason King running a business means making tough choices there are many good companies who do manufacturing China was the decision was tough the decision to make exo packs in the U.S. no not at all yeah 100% want to be made in the U.S. from the start 
um, just enjoy that, man. I, um, it's just who, who we are, who we want to be. Um, there's so many benefits to be made in the U.S. I mean, our one of our two soap shops is here in town. I'm down there every single day checking on things. It was pretty uh, impressive. It was pretty impressive when I went over there and you took me yeah. to the soap shop. It was it was really impressive. Yeah, guys, it's it's way more complicated than people realize. Yeah. Um, it's uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah. When you do overseas, you lose so much control. Um, things are a lot cheaper. They're they're a lot lot cheaper. Probably thirty cents on the dollar, right? It's uh, what wow. you pay here in the U.S. Um, but the, the problems are exponential. Uh, right right now, I'm sure it's all glad during all this COVID stuff that we make stuff in the U.S. That you, you know we'd be probably out of business. You know relied on china so um just so many benefits to be made in the u.s the, the pack's more expensive uh it steered us heavily towards being a direct to sell uh, direct to consumer company uh but we like that we like having a relationship with the customer um so it's, it's no brainer for us um and then we source 95 percent of the materials in the u.s we do get a few things overseas uh and it's not has nothing to do with price it's just availability uh, like the YPK zipper we use comes from over there, but they don't make it in the U.S. And it's the, the toughest zipper they make called their racket coil. It's made for luggage, uh, like airplane luggage. Um, that's one of the few things we get over there. So, Love it. Michael Hardy says, uh, Steve, can a K2 frame now, can I use the K3 bag on my K2 frame? Uh, yeah, yeah. When I was designing K3 stuff, I really wanted to make sure that things were compatible. Um, it, it's not perfect. We, we did change to all one inch webbing on the K3 stuff. So if, if he looks at his, uh, if he gets a, he wants to put a bag on a K2 frame. So he said, uh, yeah, it says I have a K2 frame now. Can I use the K3 bag on my K2 frame? Yeah, yeah. So no problem. He'll just take the the bottom of the K3 bag will have one inch webbing on it. You'll literally just pinch that in half and run it through a three quarter inch buckle at the bottom of the K2 frame. Uh, and that's the, the hardest part of it. So um, it's pretty simple. Everything else lines up, all the buckles line up. The, the size is the same. It works out pretty pretty seamlessly. So Steve, uh, if anyone during this COVID, COVID deal, uh, if they're asking about availability and getting the pack and everything. Are you guys up and running? Are you good to go? Yeah, we're, we're exceptionally fortunate. Um, you know, we, we've got myself, my sister works for me, uh, Mark, who you guys all know. Um, all of us are able to work from home and pretty much uninterrupted. And then we got two guys at the shop who, uh, well, one guy's building packs from home and then two guys at the shop that are shipping every day. So we've been able to, to keep up with things with only a, a minimal two to three day backlog. Uh, it's been challenging for sure. Um, there's every day there's, you know, new crap that pops up suppliers, just like one of our main suppliers in Washington's completely shut down. And so we're going to like at some point probably in May run out of stuff unless they open up. So just crap you're dealing with running a small business, but it, it is what it is. Yeah. Copy that guys. If you're just joining us on this, uh, we're with Steve Speck from XO mountain gear. He, um, he manufactures our packs that we use. If you guys have any questions, just log them below and we'll try to get to them. Uh, Caleb Franzoi. I'm terrible on names. Anyway, uh, what water bladder do you recommend to use to your, for, with your packs? Is there any, 
Uh, it doesn't matter. We um, on, on K2 and K3, the, the, that was definitely a complaint that like Lenny and I had when we were designing them as you run into a pack that has like a really small water bladder sleeve. And we've always just oversized the crap out of that water bladder sleeve. Um, so you can fit anything in there. That sleeve is also acts as a double layer of protection between um, blood getting on, like when you're packing out stuff, blood actually passing through um, the fabric into the into the stuff. So it keeps it separate. And it also, um, if you're a pop your water bladder, the water always drains out the bottom. So you never have to worry about getting your gear wet on the inside. Um, so yeah, plenty of reasons that sleeves are oversized and you can fit whatever you want in there. Um, I don't know what you guys personally use. I have a, a platypus hoser, three liter bladder I use. It's lightweight, simple to use, pretty, pretty um, bomb proof. I think I had the same one for five years now with no issues. No, that's, I think that's kind of what we all, Cody, uh, I think platypus would exactly. turn me around. Platypus, yeah. Although yeah, I did no. have a nice, in the, the two liter bag for the squeeze bottle, doing the old, my filter's getting dirty, dirty, squeeze, squeeze, squeeze. And Craig was sitting right in front of me at lunch break the other day on the bear hunt and just Really? Yeah, like a <laughs> liter of water just everywhere. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, um, yeah, that was just a bag though. So definitely haven't had any issues in the bladder. So. No, but yeah, that that membrane is uh, is definitely key, which could work into a rain fly. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna just talk about that too much. <laughs> Whatever. Okay, let's move on. Let's move on. Hey, uh, Spec, what? How much of a role do you think uh, trekking poles? Like the guy that's out there that says I don't want to carry the extra weight in, in carrying around trekking poles, what would you say to that? Uh, that guy probably doesn't ever kill anything and, and never use trekking poles. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Tough love. I, I always have trekking poles on my pack. I 99% of the time I don't touch them until meat's down on the ground. But what like the benefit they provide packing that meat out, saving your knees, it, uh, it's, you know, I, I've kind of kid too, it's like putting on four wheel drive. Like if you're packing out meat without them, you're going to fall 10 times coming off a mountain. You never yeah. fall with trekking poles. It's kind of a safety thing too. Um, it just saves your knees, man. Yeah, it's uh, – uh, and, and I think the energy expenditure is substantially less. So um, one thing we talk about every once in a while is just like, you know, if you're hunting with a buddy and you kill something and you just pack it out and you're done and you're going home, who cares? But all of us, you know, typically have a buddy with us that's got a tag, so it's important to kind of conserve some energy and get that meat out, and then the next day you're not just completely, you know, exhausted where you can go back and hunt some more. Um, so those little things kind of help. Um, and then I, you know, I use a, a tarp that uses my trekking pole as a support for it uh, versus having a tent that has its own set of poles. So you can kind of find multiple uses for that trekking pole. Now, the reason Trevor wanted to do that is to – for me to apologize again to Trevor. You should. You should in writing. <laughs> and say, I'm sorry. Yes, you were right. I'm wrong. Okay. That's, I think, you know. We've, Are we recording this podcast? I yeah. really like that on. We've beat that horse out. <laughs> yeah. Beat that horse yeah, out. So it is what it is. So we're getting a ton of questions, guys, on our game bags. Um, where we're at with our game bags, with with everything that's been going on with so shops and stuff, we are kind of at a standstill right now, trying to move forward. Uh, Steve, have you have you experienced the same the same difficulties lately? 
Uh, we've been fortunate with our sew shops, man. One, the one we have in Washington, they're also making face masks. So they're still in business because they're essential. Um, our one in Idaho was able to kind of be under the same classification. So we've been very, very lucky um, that, that everything's going forward, but it's not, yeah, there's so many disruptions out there. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I, I was up for like four hours last night in the middle of the night, just like what the hell the next two years are going to look like. Cause I think nobody knows yet, you know, yeah. there's going to be a lot Cody, of, of impact from this to trickle out for the next couple of years. Cody, can you elaborate on game bag status? Yeah. Yeah. No. So the biggest issue we've got right now, uh, the material that we've tested has been, um, it's, it's, we purchased from a U.S. company, but it looks like it's manufactured overseas. So we're trying right now, the timeline is um, a little up in the air as to when we can actually get the mass um, quantity of uh, materials there. So I know like spec, you, you luckily you said you kind of planned out the year, you had a bunch of material in stock and helping you roll through this. Us being new in the manufacturing side, we have uh, about hit every roadblock known to man on, on this because of COVID, but. Yeah. Welcome to manufacturing. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Yeah. It's a different, it's a different world, man. It's, it's a different, different world. Yeah. That's different. It'll be, uh, it'll be interesting. I mean, the last few years, everyone's so busy. It's hard to even get in someone's door. You know, if you're small, they could care less about you. Uh, it's, it's tough. Next question. Mm -hmm. Niche. That can't be a real name. Wow. Nick. Is that Nick? Is that Nick? That's my bad. We know Trevor can't go with that. I wanted to tee this one up for you, brother. Wow. <laughs> we know that Trevor. Yeah, we know that Trevor can't go without his floss in his pack. What is one thing the rest of you guys can't go without? Uh, Steve Speck, go ahead. Man, that's a tough one. Um, whiskey. It's a party You're celebration. Welcome. Yeah, that's all, that's all due to you. <laughs> <laughs> Cody. Um, wet ones. Yeah. Steve. Nice one. But I can't go with... Uh, I got to have some good Starman double ply extra soft TP. That's my go-to. <laughs> We're going to end off with the dentist, but I will say, uh, you know, I will say a good knife. It's just, uh, I, I haven't understood how much I use a pocket knife until I actually use a pocket knife all the time. And, um, anyway, I would say a good knife, but I'm sure Trevor will have a, a great answer for it. He's going to have a notice, gym. No, notice yeah. none of you guys said toothbrush. Oh, <laughs> My brother's, uh, dentist. My brother's a dentist. Why would I need one? I'm, I'm, I'm currently unemployed, and I would still bring. <laughs> uh, oh, gosh. You only brush, brush and floss the ones you want to keep, boys, in uh, September. <laughs> it's like bringing a trekking pole. Some things are worth a little extra weight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hundred percent. Have you used those wisp things, the little, uh, little mini wisp toothbrushes? No. Yeah. Check them out. Colgate, uh, I think, makes. It. I just, I just bring. Uh, I buy a little kid's toothbrush. Actually, is what I do. Mm. Yep. Bring that. And then these little things, pretty sweet. Uh, of course, he's got them on hand. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> right there. Oh boy. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. Oh, 
All right, let's just let's just move forward before we get. Yeah, yeah let's just move <laughs> forward. Buck Slayer, uh, chug it, Trevor. <laughs> you had the phone going off, and you have a classy what? look. There you you butchered that one. Uh, you had the phone wow. going off, and class look. <laughs> Yeah, Someone's sounds out. Refill, so. Someone's uh, out. Yeah. Um, here, I did see a question earlier, and I, I forget who asked that. And it was talking about, do you guys foresee any of the states closing hunting to non-residents this fall and what impact that has on the hunting industry overall? Um, good question. Yeah. That is good. happen. What uh, Douglas County here locally where Cody lives released a report closing down parks until September 20th, is it? Well, no, that's like uh, that. so, so currently it's a forest service for the state. So basically anything that's been a developed recreation site that has, for the most part, it's like if, if a trailhead has a uh, restroom at it, then it's closed for public access the trail is open i've been in contact with one of the guys there at forest service just kind of like could a guy park down the road he's like absolutely the forest isn't closed the trails aren't closed it's just those places that people could congregate at and spread but yeah it's yeah. it's it's pushed out to september 30th he said the main reason there is so they don't have to if, if things did lapse longer then they're not gonna have to extend it it's easier to make it hey it's open now versus another extension on it so yeah it's it's kind of interesting it's strange times um like that trip when that you see those restrictions though so early um it, and they're so long it certainly makes you think this could last a lot longer than we think it can yeah yeah <clears throat> this is a great question awesome question uh I'm going to butcher it, so I'm just going to go with the question. Uh, Steve, how would you and your team do different for elk hunting if you had another chance to go to the same spots that you went with the born and raised guys? Hmm. Um, man, I don't know. I think we're, we just hunt so different than you guys. There was a big learning curve that first year. Just um, please don't say we'd be more successful. That that just looks looks bad on our end. <laughs> no, you guys. There's no question. You guys are better elk hunters than us. Um, no, I think uh, we've been super fortunate that uh, in Idaho, in certain units, the last ten years, it's been uh, really freaking easy. I, like people would ask me where to go, I'm like, throw a dart at the map, and you're gonna find elk, and get in there, have some ounce of hunting skill know how to use the wind you know be smart and you're going to kill an elk over a week-long hunt i think you guys grew up you know hunting much much tougher hunting and just kind of forced to, be, to evolve and be better hunters um so yeah we learned a lot from you guys i, I you know um i, I can't wait to do a, a third trip and, and, and hunt with you so yeah wyoming uh, please wyoming it's gonna happen <laughs> it's gonna happen oh, yeah uh, Ian Lamb says, what is your bucket list hunts? Let's go around the table. Uh, let's go, Steve, go ahead. 
Um, you know, it used to be like Marco Polo sheep or, or something like that. And then you actually look at the cost of that and like spending money on hunting just isn't right to me. Um, so yeah, some of the, probably right now, yeah, I was actually supposed to be leaving in two weeks for a New Zealand tar hunt, um, which is like crazy cheap. You basically fly down there and everything's free, um, which would, was going to be an awesome, awesome hunt. That obviously got canceled. Um, that's kind of it, man. Like I said, I'd love to do a, a grizzly bear hunt with a bow, but I'm not going to fork out 30 grand to do that. Like that like experience can't be worth that money, you know? Um, so yeah, I, the more, the more I've done, I'm rambling here, but the more I've done Alaska hunts, non-resident hunts, it makes me appreciate so much what we were born and raised with the public lands, going out, hunting with your dad. I mean, that, those experiences are incredible. Uh, we're, so stinking fortunate to live in the west and, and grow up out here 100 100 agreed trevor go ahead bucket list um probably a bucket list would be trying to kill a moose with bow with my dad um i've always wanted to do that or watch him kill one okay are you done or are you just gonna sit there and take up time that's all i got i mean I, do you want do you want me to describe it more to you or no no i just i just want your answer but you're on a crispy uh september morning rolling in <laughs> cody go ahead um you know the one that i i uh i even sent a group text here about four in the morning so i couldn't sleep last week about kazakhstan or uh mongolia for uh, elk for their uh, morale stag. I still think that I've yet to ever see any information on bow hunting them. I don't even know if it's legal, but for whatever reason, that like sticks through to me to go on that hunt. Um, I think I want to I want to round up the guy that helped Justin and Chris from when they went to Mongolia on their fly fishing expedition. I can't remember his name. Um, that guy. Oh, uh, Chris Owens and. Yeah, Owens and Crump, Crump. And they did the, yeah, fly, uh, fly fishing, yeah, those trout guys. Bums. Yeah, trout bums. Um, I think that trip with that guy that knows the country of Mongolia and, like, full expedition and, you know, the Russian, like, off-road bands and all that, I think that would just be phenomenal. If, as long as you didn't have to drink that, that milk vodka. Uh, it's go It's go vodka. <laughs> Steve and I, uh, Speck and I are all in. Speck and I are all in. I'll pack it. I'll pack it for him all day. Howard, what's your dream hunt, bud? Uh, you know, elk hunting is my passion, but my bucket list is Yukon moose with a bow. That's blasting Yukon. Yep. That's what I want to do at some point. I will do it. Yeah, yeah. Someday. Oh, someday. We're, we're gonna all do it at some point. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, my, my, mine would be, it's just, you know, I've been, I, I realized a lot of things. I look, honestly, this morning, I was looking back through our YouTube videos and how many hundred videos we have out there is, is crazy. And the most, uh, the, the ones that most like just run near and dear to my heart is the ones with family. So I, I honestly, I don't need to kill anything. It could be a uh, black bear tomorrow morning with my son. It could be, you know, it, it could be whatever. So uh, that it's, yeah. 
every hunt is different to me. I don't have a hunt that really stands out and just is, is like, I need to do this. I have, I have no qualms. It, it's just every single one is different. And uh, I've learned more um, from just, just these last few years of, I really don't have to shoot anything in my life. So that would be my hunt. That's not even That's just you can film me this year then, Trent, if you don't need to shoot me. Yeah. What are you going to do? What are, you, what are you going to do, Trevor? You know, what are you going to do? I, I would agree, though, watching the kids. It's pretty awesome. Out there, it's pretty amazing. It's yeah. it's pretty awesome. It was pretty cool. And I will say this, like, um, just just recently, we've been I've been taking my son out hunting. I don't have a bear tag. And Steve said, uh, hey, here's the deal. Why? Because there's a mentor program in Oregon. And um, any kid that is on the mentor program can kill whatever tag is available. And Steve has a bear tag for the Southwest here. And, and Steve is just like, why you can kill anything. And so we have a beer bear video coming out here. Um, I'm working on it right now, but anyway, it was, it's pretty cool. I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to give everything away, but it's pretty awesome that Steve would give up his tag and just say, Hey, no, there is a youth right here. And, and, and let him hunt on it. It's, it's pretty awesome. So anyway, moving forward. Uh, I got a question from Tim Errett says, how do you guys handle hunting pressure? Do you stick with it or move to a new location? Draw a good tag in Arizona and just go hunt. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be nice every year. Okay. All right. All right. No, uh, we, we grind. We just, oh, we stick man. with it and I personally, we have a plan and we just keep going. Doesn't matter. I mean, even we go to a trailhead or wherever there's a parking spot and there's people, we just, we go hunt and we find a way to make things happen. So it's, I'll never forget that. We don't get discouraged. In in Colorado, we were having tough times where we were. Cody made a phone call. <laughs> Remember that secret Cody. honey hole? Yeah, secret yeah. honey hole. We show up. South, South Cox goes. Well, I deer hunted there once, and I was up at twelve thousand feet, and I heard a bunch of bulls bugling down below me. Little did we know that we drove like fourteen hours in the state of Colorado, which I didn't even know was possible. <laughs> like, yeah, all the and, and we show up, and there is uh, I don't know how many horse trailers and cars. I mean, it was like Walmart parking lot. Oh it my was There was 30, there was over thirty horse trailers trailhead it was like awesome. and we're driving in too i remember this specifically we're like driving up this creek road like man it doesn't even look like anyone's been up here we're gonna have this place around the corner and it's just stamps everywhere it's just like and it's like how do they get a six horse slant trailer up here i have no idea because we're like you know it's kind of a rough road and anyways it was that was a hey. that was definitely a lesson learned though of go in and especially with horse country per se where it's big big i mean yeah you could go in there 25 miles uh-huh, uh yeah. we found that sweet spot and hunted that inner zone of where people weren't day hunting and people weren't were riding past some horses and killed some bulls so yeah we got a couple bulls out we, that, so. and about we did that last year in colorado again uh during rifle season as well there was i remember cody and i counted there was 17 vehicles we hiked in and we killed a bull, two bulls. Yeah. Big lesson. Yeah. Don't let rigs discourage you. Just go hunting. Yeah. Go hunting. 
Yeah. Uh, Jansen Davis asked, does it matter if you buy an expensive tent? No. Mm. Uh, I've seen a river runs through it going through Cody's little uh, uh, trekking pole thing. Back, back, do we want to talk? Do we want to talk about what I gave you? Do we want to talk about it or not? I mean, is it up in the air? A good pin is nice. I borrowed a chunk of Tyvek for one night. I do recall I packed a milk out by myself so you guys can hunt. And I also packed in like a 12 pack of beer for everybody. I hope that doesn't affect your company. A little bit of Tyvek. I hope that doesn't affect your company. But uh no it, it's that time of year i mean it's it's that september where you can get away with nothing you can get away with a sleeping bag on the ground or you can have snow pile on your face all day so it, it's one of those things where it's that give and take right and yeah. I think that's part of backpacking yeah we i mean we uh, we did a budget podcast like budget backpacking podcast uh, mark and i did um Really, like, I mean, there's a difference between a Walmart cheap tent and uh, a $199 tent at REI. The, the $199 tent at REI is just going to be eight ounces to a pound heavier than the four or $500 one and probably more durable. So if his question is, you know, is there a difference between a $200 and a $500 tent? No, just a little bit of weight. Um, it, don't go buy a one at Walmart for $39.99. Yeah, you're probably asking for trouble. But, um, if, you know. You're just getting started and you want to get something cheap. Yeah. Don't go buy something that's quality, but um, you know, it's just going to be heavier fabric. So I should take that back. I, I mean, I think on gear, I think so many people and, and we had a pretty cool little fireside chat with first light last night. It was pretty, there was only like 15 people on it. So they, they asked some specific questions and people asked like, what's the most number one valuable essential item that you take? And I think, and I, I may be wrong, but I would say your mental state and what you have between your ears right here far outweighs anything that's in your pack, you know, of like, okay, I'm going to grit this out. doesn't matter how tough it is, whatever it is, like having that confidence going into it. And I think part of that comes with experience versus you, you could buy all the whiz bang gear and have the lightest of the lightest stuff and then go in there and don't have the gut to actually go do the hunt and you're going to be back at the trailhead first. So, um, I've, I mean, I watched a guy last week over there snake in, in bear hunting and he slept in a puffy pants and puffy jacket, no pad. He's like, yeah, I'm going to go for it. And he stayed up on the mountain and it was no big deal to him where people were like, Oh, I don't have the gear. I'm not going to go do it. It's like one night of your life. What's that going to mean? You know I mean? Yeah, it was crappy sleep and he made it through it and got up the next morning and spotted a mountain lion at daylight and went off running so i mean that was just like he wouldn't have had that experience if he would have said well no i only have my big canvas bag for a base camp and i'm gonna stay here did you say he spotted a mountain lion oh yeah yep at daylight <laughs> literally like first thing we're like literally laying in the sleeping bags and there is a mountain lion at that was like almost two miles away 2,500 oh. feet up and he took off after it and by the time we got to the ridge to where except spot and scope it slipped in the timber and i didn't get to get footage of it but yeah we blasted up a mountain lion and yeah, a bobcat and a bear like yeah. wow predator rich environment yep that's one reason well, why i don't run a quilt 
quilts are quilts are terrible. See, if you had a sleeping bag, you could have slept with them and have a great night. You know, so it is what it is. It is what it is. Laugh it up, Spec. Uh, next question. Next question. Uh, Bill Bill asks, do you use a GPS? If so, what kind? My phone. Uh, on yeah, my GPS on my phone. Oh. Everybody spoke at the same time. Let's just do that one at a time. Oh. Right there. Yeah. Okay. I think we did it again at the same time. So I think the, wow. the overall... The overall answer was Onyx on our phones. And guys, uh, it's the most giant question that gets asked. And anyway, it's uh, you don't need service. Just download the maps and and go hunting. It's the it's one of the greatest tools that we use every single day. So Brad Balch. Yep. If you're. Oh, hold on. Just to touch on that, Trent, real quick, is yep. if you're using your phone with Onyx GPS, you download it when you have service, download your map. Um, you can go into airplane mode and turn off your service, utilize the map in full function. And then as far as recharging your battery for your phone, you're in airplane mode, so the battery lasts a whole lot longer. And then we use little battery packs that we pre-charge before we go on the hunt. Um, I use, uh, it's called an anchor. Um, I bought it at Walmart for $49.99 and I get like five charges. I've literally never, I've never used through the whole battery pack on a seven or eight day hunt. So that's what we all do. That's what I do personally. And uh, it's worked well for me. So nice. Uh Christopher Brown asked, does EXO make a tent or would you ever make a tent? <laughs> we, uh, we've we actually prototyped a bunch because um, I've never been happy with tent choices and selections. Um, uh, at the end of the day, we, we've had some really cool stuff that we've worked on, just never like got, like, I don't know, just never put it out there. Um, just never quite got to what we wanted. So. Uh, you know, 99.99% of our focus is on the packs and continuing to make them better and keep that system simple. Um, tents is definitely something I've, I've chipped away at. And like I said, we've, we've worked on it, but not off the table, but not coming out anytime soon. I can tell you that much. So I'll look for it next month. So, yeah. Uh, Chris Williamson asks, uh, he's on the fence between pack sizes. Will you go with a larger bag on the exo frame? Um, to help contain something crazy like two hams and a head, or is that irrelevant? Two hams uh, and a head? Yeah, Jeez. so uh, the, the bag is completely irrelevant to how much meat you can pack, to a quick answer to this question. So it um, doesn't matter if you have our 1,800 or 6,400, you're packing the same amount of elk meat because it's the same frame, the dimensions, the back dimensions of the bag are the same on all of them. Um, so you're just looking at the bag size for what you're packing. If you're day hunting, you get 1,800. Uh, if you're guy, if you're you guys, and, and you do, you know, anywhere from day hunts to five, six days, uh, forty-eight hundred is a sweet spot there. I think that's a big. I think that's a big thing as far as like your frame is your frame, right? 
I mean, it's what you put on it for what you want to carry into to go hunting or whatnot, but your frame. And that's what I love about the EXO. It's just like, it's built bulletproof from the frame up. So you have a frame and you can carry any amount of weight that you want to on the frame. Everything extra from that is just your camp, your camp. extras. Yeah. Yeah, that was our, I mean, that's the original kind of design intent behind EXO was to always have a frame with you. That was like, we had to make decisions between like packs that would hold weight well or packs that were lightweight, comfortable to wear all day long. And that was our goal was to build a hunting pack that could do both of those. So whether you're day hunting or you're out for a week, you need to have a frame with you. I mean, it's entirely possible to, to leave the truck that morning and end up, you know, three and a half, four miles from the truck and kill an elk. Uh, and kind of the old school method would be to have a, a crappy day pack on your back that all of a sudden you either A, can't pack meat or B, throwing a, a ham over your shoulder to get out there to go get a pack frame. So it's like, none of that made any sense to us. Let's just build something that can pack, that you can carry all day long that's light, that can pack meat at any given time. 100%. Yeah. What is, uh, what is like a 3,500 completely empty way spec? Um, yeah, so right now we got 18, 32, 48, 6,400. Um, basically you're four and a half pounds to five and a half pounds. Like I said, the frame's the frame. So the weight doesn't fluctuate that much. It's just the weight of the bag by itself. Uh, and you're basically a pound is the only, you know, from top to bottom is really the only difference. That's Not impressive. Much. That's impressive. Um, quick, quick question, Trevor. Um, in your birthday bowl, right before the bowl came in, you sprayed something in the air. What was it? Elk pee. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or it might have been my cologne. I don't remember, but no. We don't ever use scent or anything like that. Um, but we have, I think in, was it Wyoming? The first year ever we went out of state. Uh, we tried it out and got away with maybe five extra seconds on a bowl with, I forget, I think it was with uh, Chris Apui and Pui. Uh, and Cody. And oh. uh, it was uh, just kind of an eye-opener, like, well, it probably won't cover our scent forever, but if it gives you five extra seconds in the bow hunting world, that's a big deal. So I've carried it on and off ever since then. I've also seen him carry Axe Body Spray. Oh, yeah. Uh, on and off, not on and off, full time. I carry that mostly for you, Trent, along with toothpaste and an extra toothbrush. There was a question. Two days with two showers. I mean, <laughs> a guy's got to breathe. I had a I had a pretty good layer of belt up already. <laughs> yeah, I will say. Trent did better at not stinking over me, and I had taken like other showers. He like had this crust on him that like Steve can attest. Spec, spec, who smelt? Who smelt? Who smelt it worst? I don't even know if that's even a real thing, but who smelt worst? You, you did not smell that bad for how long you've been out. I'll just put it that way. <laughs> Trent, you had such a froth built up on you. If you would have jumped in water and Let's not even more. tried to tread. It, you would have floated. Uh, yeah, that's how bad it was. Off of him. Yeah. Okay. Well. Uh, Steve Howard, question here for you: Release preference, thumb or index, and uh, release, and why? Um, 
for me personally, I switched to a thumb and I like it a lot more just for whatever reason, it works better for me. Um, the index was, it was just a little too sensitive. So I went to a thumb and it was, it just worked a lot better for me. I think this is a great question for both the uh, spec and Steve Howard, as far as like, uh, and all of us, I think everybody in this realm, and I don't want to open up a giant can of worms as far as target panic, but I, I dealt with it bad for like five yeah. years. Yeah, no. And I think a back tension uh, spec, I think, can you address something like this? Uh, yeah, I can. Um, I balance like there's, there's accuracy at the range and there's like being effective and efficient out there hunting. Um, to me, having an index finger wrist strap, like that's accessible and ready. Yeah, I shoot better with a thumb trigger at the range. Um, you know, how, Steve Howard, I'd love to hear from you, like what you're doing with that release. I tried hunting with a thumb trigger one year. It's like in my pocket and, you know, strapped around your wrist. It's a pain in the ass. So it, to me, it's like, uh, like single pin slider sights, freaking awesome at the range, suck ass when an elk's coming in, it's 20 yards, then it's 35 yards, then it's 50 yards, and you're trying to adjust your knob the entire time to, to range that thing, right, and, and keep messing with it. Um, you're losing, you know, you're not going to kill that elk because you're messing with it. So I kind of look at the, the, the thumb, uh, thumb thing the same way. But Steve, how do you address carrying it when you're hunting? I, uh, for me personally, I dealt with, I went to a single pin for a couple years, and like you said, it was really hard. To, I actually ended up killing a bull with a single pin sight, but it was – I had a lot of time to make that shot, but, um, for me, it was the, I didn't want to stay with the single pin cause I wanted, you know, the five pins where I had quicker options, but, um, that thumb release just kind of slowed everything down for me with the, with the strap and the, and the index release. I, I was just shooting way too fast. So it allowed me to slow everything down. That's what worked good for me. Um, I, it might not be for everybody, but it really helped me a lot over the last couple of years. Yeah, I, I mean, I think something slowing you down in the heat of the moment is always a good thing. You always have five extra seconds that you don't know you have. Or yeah. You got shot right away. Yeah. I did that yesterday, turkey hunting. Not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> With a shotgun. With a gun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I will, I will say. Though. Uh, uh. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> I can't wait to watch that video. Yeah, I, love it. I hit the delete. I hit the delete right as soon as that shot went off. So there's you there's better me. not. Have. Oh, you better not have. I need to see that. I need to see that. Yeah. All right. I think I will say, uh, hunting in Colorado uh, with Nick Schmidt, he he was using that that thumb release, and there was one moment where. We sat down for a break and then took another hike. And next thing you know, we had been hunting for a while and he didn't have his release anymore. <laughs> uh, and we had to get on Onyx and follow our tracks all the way back. And we actually found his release again. But that I was... Have never, I have never lost mine. Mine's always... I don't know. It just slows me down. I get it. I get wound up. I can't help it. <laughs> so it, it, it helps slow me down a little bit and try to be more, you know, cautious and just take each step slower as it's going. Cause otherwise I'll, yeah, it can be not good at times. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I, I lost, I actually in, in the, the first land of the free in Colorado, 
we were doing rambush on chasing that bull right up the face and i was carrying it like right in my between my hip belt and my my body and i was shoving it down there and we took off running after the bull and got up there set up knocked the arrow went to grab my release gone and I'm like, i had a back right in my hood and i i can't remember who was filming i think it was maybe crockett or somebody was filming right there and i'm like release help me help me and i'm like trying to get my release as the bull was coming in and that was not fun like that experience it has helped yeah, me calm down a little bit not I much love, just a yeah i love shooting a thumb trigger man but just that hunting cool well, we've been at this uh over an hour uh any closing comments guys uh spec anything that you want to just throw out to people new stuff um anything that we can look forward to in the future uh anytime that you're going to pay for a cool hunt that i'm going to go on anything like that uh just yeah <laughs> you know anything yeah, yeah, hopefully cody and i drive draw wyoming tags and you get a tag along and uh and uh, sure. we'll so, be there i am so ready <laughs> bruce bruce is going to show up bottom line <laughs> bottom line <laughs> uh, oh yeah thanks for having me on guys appreciate it it's always a good time chatting with you guys yeah well this has been this has been awesome cody you want to close this out yeah no i just i want to thank everyone for tuning in i think this is a you know in these strange times this is a, a cool place for us to let her hair down enjoy a drink uh talk talk with good friends and and get some questions uh so i just really appreciate everyone tuning in it really means the world to us and uh if you guys have any thoughts on who you want to see as a guest hit the comment yeah. section and uh, tell us who you want to be on the next uh, Beard with Bro. So, and I'm going to look into trying to get that background that you got going on because it's pretty, pretty bad. A. Eh? It's pretty awesome. Northern Lights, Alaska, right? Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Trevor Crater Lakes closed down. You might want to shoot that one down, bro. <laughs> I'll probably get fined. Yeah, good chance. So. <laughs> yeah. Thank everybody for joining. Uh, really appreciate it. Uh, we'll talk to you guys next Thursday at six or seven, depending on the guest on, on what time. So please join us next week, guys.